Well, hey, everybody. My name is Kathy Craig, and I am the Connection and Discipleship Pastor here at Mercy Road Church. And it is a privilege that we get to spend Good Friday with you, especially in this time. It is so weird. It feels like life is changing minute by minute and day by day. Um, and we just don't know what to expect. And it's just so crazy. I mean, even our family is doing weird things. I mean, on Sunday night, we all got together, the four of us, and we sat around a fire outside, and we made s'mores, and we did a Bible study together, and we prayed together, and it was awesome. But I know that two hours before that, we were actually fighting because we were tired of each other in quarantine, I was crying because I was feeling the grief of all that we're experiencing and the fact that our kids are not going to be able to play with their friends for a while. And it just hit me. It was hard. And I would be remiss to not point to the night before Jesus died, that there were so many emotions going on during that time. And what he did that night is that he gathered all of his friends, the disciples, in an upper room. And he wanted to give them last instructions so that they would remember. And he said this. He said, here is bread. And he gave thanks for it. And he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and said, take this. This is my body. And then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to each of his friends, and they all drank from it. And he said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He said, truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day, when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. This is a very intense moment. I don't even think that the disciples could wrap their minds around what he was saying. It was as if Jesus was the football coach in a locker room. And he was saying, okay, guys, we're going in to the hardest battle that maybe any of us will ever face in the next 24 hours and beyond. And I need you to remember, it was a take the hill kind of moment. Remembering through communion is what we do on Good Friday. We remember the most difficult thing that Jesus chose for you and for me, and that in that, he said, I am fulfilling a promise. I am fulfilling the covenant that I am with you now and I am with you beyond in heaven and I am making a place for you. Just trust me and hold on. It's like there's this time in between and he's saying, don't let go. I've got you, and it's pretty, pretty awesome that he didn't let us go. 
right before this darkest hour. So what I want to do right now is I want to pray with you as we head into what Good Friday is, what happened, and why this is so significant. It is heavy, and it is scary, but it is also so hopeful. So let's bow our heads and we'll pray. Father God, thank you so very much that you gave us your son, that he loved us so much that he gave his whole life for us. Lord, it is something that I don't think any of us on this side of heaven will ever comprehend fully. But it is in moments like this on Good Friday that we remember. Lord, help us remember, especially in this space in between, in the heaviness of this moment, that you are with us and that the victory is won. And we thank you for all of this. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen. So I don't know if you have ever had a take the hill kind of moment. Um, I feel like God made me for take the hill kind of moments, moments where it's like it's time to step up and get it done. And one of the times that I remember that this happened um, really significantly in my life was the day my daughter was born. I remember being so pregnant and um, the OBGYN said, okay, Kath, it's time for you to go into the hospital. We gotta help this baby come on out. And I woke up that morning and I went into the hospital. I was like dancing in the car, um, got into the hospital. They hooked me up on the IVs and the Pitocin to get things moving along. They even put the epidural in my back. And I just sat around and ate popsicles all day and watched TV. I was not stressed. I was like, yes, this is my moment. I am going to become a mother today. And I was so excited. And then it came time to push. And for three hours, I pushed with everything that I possibly could to try and bring my daughter out into the world. And after those three hours, I heard the words that no mom or parent wants to hear. They said, her heartbeat is dropping. We have to get her out now. I just, I remember looking at them and saying, you do whatever you have to do to get my daughter out and alive. I was willing to just lay anything down, any pain, um, any fear for my daughter. And thankfully, she was born right before midnight via C-section. And I remember waking up the next morning and there was my beautiful daughter screaming her head off because she was hungry. My passed out husband so tired next to me. And I had this utter, oh my gosh moment. 
Can I be a mom? Can I care for this human and raise her and keep her alive and be a wife and do all the things? It was overwhelming. And I remember the days following that, I would just have these utter moments of, oh my gosh, I'm not sure if I can do this. Can I be a mom? Can I do this? Well, Jesus had a moment like that in the Garden of Gethsemane, right following this dinner. And he called his closest friends and he said, please come and pray with me. And he got down on his knees and he begged his Father in heaven, please, Abba, Father, Daddy, you can do anything Please, if I don't have to do this, I pray, I ask you that this cup be taken from me. And then he says something so profound right after that. But not my will, but yours. Here's the thing about Jesus that gets me every time. Yes, Jesus is 100% God but he was also 100% human. And as a human, the one thing that God gives us that is so crazy is that he gives us a choice. And I think we forget that Jesus had a choice. He really didn't have to do this for us. He could have said, no, nope, I'm not going to do that. But he wanted to fulfill his Father's will. That's the difference between you and me and Jesus. We don't always choose the Father's will. But Jesus always chose the Father's will. That is something that I cannot wrap my mind around. He chose it so much that he was even willing to be tortured and crucified as an atonement for all the times that I never trusted him. That is more than I could imagine. In 1 John 4, 9 through 10, it says this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Here's the thing that I struggle with. I love to earn my love for you. I love to earn your trust. I love to work hard. I want to be the person that people look at and say, you know what? I can count on her. She's worth it. But in this moment, Jesus tells us, there's nothing that you can earn or do. You just have my love. It just is. Just like when my daughter was born, 
or I held my son in Ethiopia for the very first time. There was nothing that they could do to earn my love. They could not be any cuter. They could not achieve anything. They could not do anything but be who they are. This is so hard for me. And I wonder if this is hard for you. And if you're watching online right now and you want to comment in the section about, you know, how you struggle with this or how this is, this really, this makes a lot of sense to you. We would love for you to do that. And we want to interact with you because this is eternal truth about an eternal God who did everything that it took to always be in a relationship with us and to pursue us because he loves us. And there was nothing that we could do to earn that and make up for that. So it did not come as a surprise to Jesus when he was arrested and he was beaten and he was tortured and he was sentenced to execution by crucifixion. And that next morning, the scripture tells us that he carried his own cross, the cross that he would be nailed to, up on a hill. And he carried it bloody and exhausted and spiritually just so sad. And on the way, it was a much different procession than the parade that he had experienced five days prior on Palm Sunday. On Palm Sunday, people were singing Hosanna in the highest. But now, they were mocking him. They were spitting on him. They were saying, who do you think you are? Now look at you. And it tells us in the scripture, in Mark 14, that it was nine in the morning when they crucified Jesus. And this is pretty graphic, but they laid his body on this cross and they nailed his hands into either side of the cross and his feet at the bottom. And then they raised up the cross and a lot of us think that crucifixion, you would die from loss of blood, but that's not it. What happens is that you die by asphyxiation. Every breath that you breathe, you have to pull up on your hands and your feet, nailed down, so that your lungs could have space to bring in air. Every breath was excruciating. And I wonder if any of you are thinking right now, does Jesus feel my suffering? I hope you know that without a shadow of a doubt, he does. His whole death, it took hours upon hours. And it says that they crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. 
and those who passed by, they hurled insults at him, and they shook their heads, and they said, so, who are, who are you? You're going to destroy the temple and build it in three days? Come on down from that cross and save yourself. If you are God, you can do this. But we know that Jesus not only could do this, but he chose to stay and endure. And in the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. And those crucified with him also on the right and the left, they heaped insults on him also. Friends, I have no idea what that felt like to be at the foot of the cross watching this man who maybe took me in when I was rejected and uneducated and just a kid. These disciples, his mother sat there watching people tear him apart. On Good Friday, we have to hold the heaviness of this moment. Because this isn't Pollyanna stuff. This isn't felt figures that we, you know, sometimes talk about, oh, and Jesus died for our sins. This cost him. It was uncomfortable. It caused him suffering beyond anything that we could imagine. And right now, I know that many of us are suffering and we are scared and we are anxious and that this kind of suffering could be as real as it ever has been in our world. And we know that we can feel this intense level of depression during this time. How do we walk in the space in between where we know that life is heavy and it is uncertain to an extent and yet we are called to keep moving? In a really difficult time in my life, someone gave me this book it's called Learning to Walk in the Darkness. It's written by Barbara Brown Taylor. And I love this book. Um, I know her name sounds like she writes some kind of like romance novels. That's not her at all, which is really interesting. She is a theologian and she's a minister and an author. And she talks about the importance, the spiritual importance of darkness. And she says this, which is so profound. One of the main things that tip people toward depression is a low tolerance for sadness. I don't know about you, but I don't like sadness. I don't like to feel pain. I'm a seven on the Enneagram, if any of you are familiar with that. I just want to have fun. I can twist this and redirect this in any way possible. But Good Friday says 
that life is so much more than just having fun, that there is a weight to our souls and to our lives. And feeling that sadness is not a bad thing. It reminds us of the gravity of the love that God has for us. She continues to say, it it's, is the inability to bear dark emotions that causes many of our most significant problems. In other words, it's not the emotions themselves. When we cannot tolerate the dark, we try all kinds of artificial lights. We'll try things like drugs and alcohol and shopping, even hours in front of our television and our phones. She says there are no dark emotions, just unskillful ways of coping with emotions we cannot bear. The emotions themselves are conduits of pure energy that wants something from us to wake us up, to tell us something we need to know, to break the ice around our hearts, to move us, to act. The depth of Good Friday is saying Feel this, and with this, take that next step. Take that next step. And we're going to talk about what that looks like in just a second. But it says that at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me? How could this happen? This is too much. He faced the darkness. And then it says in verse 37 that he took his last breath. Jesus not only faced suffering for us, but he faced what it feels like to not be in the presence of God. That darkness. And in the moment that he took his last breath, the scriptures tell us that the curtain that has separated us from the presence of God and experiencing the fullness of who he is and how much he loves us, that curtain was torn in two so that we could have complete access to God anytime, anywhere. I was talking with some friends um, on the host team who serve alongside with me, and I said, what do you think people need to hear on Good Friday? And my friend Jan said, I think people need hope. I think people need to know that even right now, they can choose to trust and walk toward God and be in his presence because Jesus made it so. Even right now, I think we all need that hope. 
even if we have accepted that hope, I think we are in a time where it's a great time to say, I'm reconnecting. I'm choosing again to step into your presence, Lord, because I need you. Your son's death tore that curtain, tore that veil, tore that boundary so that we could be in an intimate and vibrant relationship together. Finally, I ask you, are you gonna make that choice? Are you gonna tell somebody who needs to hear this that they can make this choice? Because the only thing that keeps us from walking into the presence of God is us. We have a choice. And we can choose to say, I trust you. I trust what you did for me in this moment. In Mark 15, 39, it says that there was a centurion there. He was a guard watching over Jesus' death. And when Jesus died, he said out loud, surely this man was the son of God. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Do you say that, oh, he was a great teacher. He did lots of nice things for people. There's Bible stories about him. But do you believe this is true? Do you believe that he is the son of God? Do you believe that he humbled himself and came down from heaven, came as a baby? Do you believe that he came as a servant for you and for me? Do you believe that he believed in a group of uneducated teenagers and said, you're my guys. And in you and through you, I'm going to pour everything into you. And then you're going to do even greater things after this in my name. Do you believe that he healed the sick? That he uplifted the marginalized and the poor? Do you believe that he brought the dead back to life? Do you believe that he chose to die for you as an atonement for all the times we didn't choose God or trust him, our sin? Because right here and right now, this is what Good Friday is about. It's about holding the depth of what do you believe? Do you believe that what he did was worth it for you? We do. I do. And I believe that we all need to sit at the feet of the cross right now and ask ourselves this question and then say, how are we moving forward? The beautiful thing about Good Friday is that it doesn't end here. We get to go to Sunday 
And Sunday is good news because Jesus didn't stay dead. In the space in between, people mourned and they prepared his body and they had kind of a funeral. But on Sunday, Jesus rose from the dead. We don't go to gravestones and say, oh, that's it. That's where Jesus is. That was the end of the story. We know that on Sunday, something miraculous happens. And I want you to hold on and come on back on Sunday and praise his name for how powerful he is and how much he loves us and that we get to choose this life with him forever. So what I'd like for you to do right now is I want us to take communion, that this is a time where we get to remember. We get to take the bread broken for his body and the cup, his blood poured out for us and say thank you. So if you want to take a second and go get some elements, whatever you have, it'll do. It's great. He honors it. But on the night before Jesus died, he gathered with his friends and he said, my body is broken for you. Take and eat. And then he took a cup of wine and he said, my blood is poured out for you to cover all all the sins of the world for all and for everyone who wants it. Take and drink. And he gave thanks to God the Father. So let's do that now in celebration of Good Friday. Father God, I thank you so much that your son did what I or any of us here on earth could never do. He chose your will every time, even death on a cross, to be the atonement for the times that we have not trusted you or doubted you. And through this, there is no separation between us and you that we can choose right now, Lord, to say yes. I choose to be in your presence, Lord. I choose to trust you. I choose to trust what Jesus did for me on Good Friday. And I choose to celebrate what he does on Sunday. Lord, we love you. We thank you again. And thank you so much for not letting us forget and knowing that we can hold this heaviness and we can walk in the space between because the end of the story doesn't Stop here. 
It's in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.